every year we have a word of the year for Multiply Church. And this year, for 2022, the word of the year is generations. So for the next few weeks, we're going to go through Scripture and look at what God says about generations and what that really means. There's a board game that, uh, that we got over Christmas break. We've already played it twice, but it's called Mind the Gap. Mind the Gap. And it's a board game that you actually have to answer questions throughout different generations to win the game. Has anybody seen this game? Just me? I feel cool. Darius, you saw it at my house. It doesn't count. <laughs> like anybody else seen the game? I'm telling you, this is the game that you need to buy for your family. Again, it's called Mind the Gap. And the generations that are kind of included are boomers, millennials, Gen X, and Gen Z. And this is how you play the game, or this is how you win. You go around that board, you start in one of the locations, and you go around the board, and you have to answer questions throughout each generation. Now, to be a strong team, you have to have all the generations together. Josh, y'all remember when we tried to play this game? Josh, Maria, and Jenna, and myself, we were like, all right, we're going guys against girls. And we got to the boomer generation, and it was hard for us to answer the questions. I was like, I don't know who some of these people are. What kind of music were y'all listening to? That was a little strange. But, but I remember playing with my mother and father-in-law, and, and when they got to the boomer generation, Tom Lee Ann, I'm sorry I'm calling you out in your age, but when, when they got to the boomer generation, they were firing them off. But when they got to the millennial generation, they were like, I have no idea what that terminology even means. So, so to win the game, to be a strong team, you have to have all the generations on one team. And some of the questions that you'll answer are from different categories, like TV and film or, or pop culture. You have music, maybe historical headlines or, or slang or slogans from that generation. So I thought, I thought it would be fun to read a few questions to you that are from the game to see how we could maybe answer as a team. So for the boomer section, maybe you're a, a grandparent in the room. Here's one of the questions that was on one of the cards. Name three of the original members of the Jackson 5. Ready, go. Shout them out. Sure, absolutely. You named all five of them. Jackie, Tito, Jermaine, Marlon, and I don't even think someone said Michael. But Michael is the Jackson 5. Remember, he was that before. Anyway, um, Here's another question. What film is most closely associated with James Dean as a juvenile delinquent? Rebel Without a Cause. Fun fact, I was in that play um, in high school, and there is a DVD of it at my house. So if you ever need some dirt on me, just ask Jenna for that. What about from Gen X to my 40s and 50s in the room? Who was the legendary fedora-wearing coach for the Dallas Cowboys? Tom Landry. Historical fact, in 1986, what space shuttle tragedy occurred? Challenger. What about millennials, late 20s and, and the 30-somethings in the room? What does it mean when you call someone the GOAT? Greatest of all time. You're like, these are easy. Get the game. It's fun. I promise you there's harder ones. I just picked out the easy ones to make sure y'all could respond. Here's one from millennials. What was the first rule about Fight Club? Don't talk about Fight Club. What about Gen Z, mid-20s and younger? Name the Disney movie with the video game villain who wants to be a hero. Wreck-It Ralph. My daughter has watched both of those several times. L last one I'll, I'll give to you. If someone left you on red, what does that mean? 
They didn't, the person, did, or, uh, when a person read your text but didn't respond. Now you feel old because you got it wrong, don't you? You're like, you're like, you're like I'm, I'm old. But this game was created to involve every generation to bring the family together. In fact, in the instructions on how to play the game, they wrote this. Our family loved to play games. But one of the challenges is that we like, every, we, we like to get everyone involved. From the 90-year-old great-grandparent to the preteen grandchildren. And finding a game that we can all play can sometimes be a chore, especially a trivia game. That's why we came up with Mind the Gap, a trivia game for every generation. And I think subsequently that's what everyone wants for their family. That's what everyone wants for their community. They want wholeness. They want togetherness. They want to involve every generation. And when we look in the natural, the pictures of generations really isn't that encouraging. Let, let me read some statistics that Barna Group came up with. Millennials and Gen Z are leaving the church and they ask the question, what can we do? Statistics say this, the drop-off has been most pronounced among people ages 23 to 38. In 2019, roughly two-thirds attend, attended worship services a few times a year. Or less, or less than that, and four in ten said that they seldom never go. Nearly 40% of young people ages 13 to 25 indicate that they are unaffiliated with faith, whether agnostic, atheist, or they say that they don't believe in anything in particular. Gen Z is asking this question, who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do with my life? Gen Z says this, they want mentors. More than 25% report having one or fewer adult mentors. That means three in four of our youth feel like they don't have a mentor in their life. But four in five said that they would take advice from an older generation. This is what I'm coming to learn is that generations matter. Scripture says this in Psalm chapter 112, verse 2, their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. And there's something about community, and there's something about a community that can tap into the understanding of generations within the structure of how God created generations. Think of physical generations and spiritual generations. When God spoke to Moses in the book of ex Exodus, he says, I am who I am. And then when Moses said, hey, who do I tell the Israelites that you are? He says, tell them I am who I am, but tell them I'm the God of who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God of generations, physical generations. What about spiritual generations? What about spiritual sons and spiritual daughters, spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers? Pastor, where are you getting that from? Well, take a look at 2 Kings. Think about Elisha and Elijah. There's something powerful about tapping into the blessing of generation. Craig Hill wrote this in The Power of a Parent's Blessing. He said, Jewish people and Jewish families still in large part understand the power of blessing. Christian kids grow up thinking, I'll work at a bank. Jewish kids grow up thinking, I'll probably own the bank. Christian kids think, maybe I'll write a screenplay one day. Jewish kids think, 
I should own a movie studio or I should be the foremost film director of all time. And he asked this question, where did this come from? The idea of the power of blessing being passed through generations. We specifically see it in the Old Testament. But we have to do three things when it comes to understanding the power of generations. If you're taking notes, write these down. The first thing we have to do is we have to discover it. The second thing we have to do is learn it, and then we have to live it. I I thought today we would kind of hang out in that first component, and we would discover the power of generations. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 12. That's where we'll be starting. Hey, let me preface it before, before I start this. Uh, throughout the rest of this message and, and the next couple of weeks, I'll use a couple of names interchangeably. Maybe you haven't read the Bible in a while. Maybe you haven't gotten to this point. Or maybe you don't understand what's going on. So there's a couple of names that I'll use. And, and the first two are this, Abram and Abraham. Abram and Abraham, same dude, all right? Abram's name was changed to Abraham by God. We'll get to that a little later in in our series, but today I'm going to use those two names interchangeably. So if I say Abram, I'm talking about Abraham. If I say Abraham, I'm talking about Abram. You guys with me? Good, here we go. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless, tho- who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai and his Lot nephew, his, his nephew Lot, not his Lot nephew, uh, his nephew Lot. And all of his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, he headed for the land of Canaan. And when they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he sat up a camp beside the oak of Moreh. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give you this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who appeared to him. After that, underline this verse. We're coming back to it at the end. Verse 8. After that, Abram traveled south and he set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord. See, if we're not careful, we start to ask questions like this. Hey, wasn't that just for the Old Testament? Like, like good for Abram. He's blessed. I get it. His family is going to be blessed. His lineage is going to be blessed. Abram gets all the promises. But what does that mean for me today? Like, what if I'm not in Abram's lineage? 23 and me didn't go all the way back to Abram. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how, how do I know I'm not in that lineage? Or how do I know if I am in that lineage? We have to be careful and connect the dots from the Old Testament to the New Testament and from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the Old Testament to the New Testament. Look at the dots connected throughout Scripture. Galatians chapter 3 verse 29 says this, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the, tr- you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. What, what does that mean, Zach? 
It means that as you step into a relationship with Jesus, that the promises that God gave to Abram are the same promises that you get to tap into today. Oh, I want to talk a little bit about living in the fullness of generational promises and what it involves. And the first thing that it involves is this. It involves leaving your comfort zone. See, contrary to popular belief, following Jesus isn't always comfortable. It's not just like, oh, I'll follow Jesus. My life is perfect. Why do we do 21 days of prayer? It's so that we can get outside of our comfort zone. Miss Kay has set up a prayer team. It's one of my favorite things that we do at this church, but Miss Kay has set up a prayer team uh, for Multiply Church. And it's a team that's praying day in and day out, week in and week out. Y'all want to know the secret sauce to preaching? Get somebody to pray for you before you preach. They pray for me every single Sunday before I even step on the stage. Prayer matters. Prayer teams matter. It helps you step outside of your comfort zone. Here's a shameless plug. If you want to be a part of that prayer team, come see me after service or maybe see Miss Kay after service. But, but 21 days of prayer, we do it to step outside of our comfort zone. If I could dare you to do anything over this generational series, it would be to step outside of your comfort zone. To take a look at verse 1 and verse 5. How did Abram step outside of his comfort zone? Well, Scripture says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. So so what's going on in this scripture? Abram was 75 years old and very wealthy, and what does God say? God says, leave everything you know, leave all of your family, and leave all of your heritage. See, living in the fullness of, of generational promises starts with leaving your comfort zone for the purpose of one thing, building the fullness of the fire. Building the fullness of the fire. We, we just read it. Abram left everything and started building fires. Pastor, where do you see that? He started building altars everywhere he went. Everywhere Abram went, he was building an altar. Verse 7 says this, Then the Lord appeared to Abram after he built a fire and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And when we see God reminding us of his covenant throughout Scripture, he introduces himself as what? The God of Abraham. The God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And this is what I think the 21st century church has missed. We miss the promises of God because the promises of God are bigger than one generation. But this is what I've come to know. It takes all the generations to get all the promises of God. So if I had to challenge someone, I would challenge you to leave your comfort zones and start building fires. What does it look like to build a fire as a church? Let's dive into it a bit. I I love, I love fires. I I love the community of a fire. I love being around a fire. I've talked about it before. New New Year's Eve, I found myself around the fire, people eating s'mores, like fires and s'mores go together, amen? Like, anybody ever put a Reese on a s'more? Game changer. Who's not put a Reese on the s'more? You'll find Jesus when you do it. Like, (laughs) I'm just saying, like, it, it is a game changer. But, but I, love, I love fires. One of our home groups, meet, we're in a home group called uh, Raising Kids God's Way. And, and Autumn and John, man, you open up your house every time, every time we have Growing Kids God's Way. But John, this is what I've come to realize. Your spiritual gift is making fires. 
Because every time we go to your house, you have a fire going. And not only do you have the fire going, you already have the wood that's going to be put on the fire to keep it going. And you're just like majestic about it. Like you're poking the fire, you're adding the wood, but your spiritual gift is, is making fires. What, what do we know about fire? And fire protects, fire provides warmth, it gives light. There, there's a sense of security around a fire. You ever notice that when you're sitting around a fire with a group of people? There, there's also a sense of belonging. There, there's a sense of friendship, a sense of camaraderie, a, a sense of I, I, I belong to this group. But there's three major components to every single fire. It's coals, fuel, and constant new wood. Coals, fuel, and constant new wood. Let's break that down a little bit. What is it about the coals? I'm a firm believer that coals are the secret sauce to any fire. You can't have a good fire without having good coals. Who who would disagree with me? Miss Jean, I thought you were raising your hand. You were scratching your chin. You scared me there. (laughs) Scared me for a second. But but you can't have a, a good fire without coals. And this is what I've noticed about coals. Even if you pull them away from the fire, when you put them back, they reignite. But I've also noticed this about coals. Have you ever seen them burn down and they get ash on them a little bit? And you wonder if there's still something under there and you blow on it, what happens? It reignites. There's something about the coals. Coals were once the other two layers. In the context of the church, coals are anyone in this room over the age of 55. Now, I hate to call you out, but I'm going to call you out because that's what I do. If you're over the age of 55, can I get you to stand up in the room for just a second? I, I, I want, can we give these guys a hand? I, I'm going to ask you to stay standing. I know it's a little awkward. I'm going to ask you to stay standing because I want to speak directly to you. Can, can I encourage everyone that's standing that there's more energy and time in you than people sometimes give you credit for? See, in Exodus, Scripture starts with what? The God of Abraham. And I believe the church of the future will capture and mobilize a vibrant, vibrant 55-plus community. But here's your temptation. Here's the temptation of the coals. The temptation of the coals is to become grumpy and isolated. To say things like the music is too loud. Come on, Miss Kay. The music's too loud. The clothes that, that, that the pastor's wearing isn't something that I would wear. That I don't fit into a young community. Can I stop right there and say that that is a lie from the pit of hell. You need need a younger community. But can I tell you a secret? The younger community needs you more. We, We need you. We need your miles. We need your stories. We need the things that you've been through in life. We need your wisdom. We need your guidance. We need everything that you provide. But here's the deal. Have you seen a coal that becomes isolated from a fire? What happens? It loses its light. It loses its heat. It loses its energy. It begins to become dull and they die out quickly but as soon as you move the coal back underneath the rest of the fire it ignites and without this generation we lose wisdom and we lose guidance at 30 something years old i have to remind myself that just because i have all the information at my fingertips doesn't mean that zach witt has wisdom 
I get wisdom from the people standing in this room. Our church gets wisdom from the individual standing in this room. Talk directly to you one more time. Be coals that use your extra time to volunteer in ministry. Be coals that are intentional about passing on your legacy to the next generation. Be coals that pass on your wisdom. Be coals that pass on your guidance. I read the statistics earlier. There are many of us that long for it. Man, speak, speaking, can I, can I just be raw? I wasn't planning on doing this. I don't have a dad anymore. One of my grandfathers has already passed away. My dad died when he was 50. My dad never became a coal. Many of you in this room have, have been a spiritual father and guidance for me, for, for me just because of conversations that we've had. Pass that on to people that need it. There's more life in you. There's so much inside of you. Why am I taking so much time here? Because if, if the church doesn't capture, not our church, the global church, if we don't capture the wisdom and the guidance of the 55-plus community, then inevitably we burn out. We need the coals. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Can we give it up for them one more time? So we have coals. And, and then we have fuel. Fuel is the building blocks for fire, and every good fire needs fuel. We look at it in Scripture, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. Fuel is anyone between the ages of 30 and 55. So if you made the cutoff all the way down to 30, could you go ahead and stand up for me? i got to speak to you for a second. So 30 to 55. Don't be grumpy. Y'all aren't old enough to be grumpy. Everybody else just stood up. So, so look, at, look at what we've got going on here. So, so sure, the individuals that, that are standing, you've got some miles under your belt. You, you've got some life experience. Some of y'all are like, I'm 55. I should have stood up with the other crew. <laughs> but you have some char to you. Here's the temptation of the fuel. The temptation of the fuel is that you think you can do it by yourself. What, what happens to a charred piece of wood when you remove it from the fire? It burns out. It, it might stay lit for a bit, but inevitably it burns out. But when you add it back to the rest of the fire, when you add it back to the coals, it reignites. Talk to the fuel for just a second directly. What if everyone standing said something like this? What if your mindset switched? What if you said, I'm not going to live as a consumer? I'm not just going to come to church and consume. I'm not just going to be a part of the kingdom of God and consume. What, what if you took a little bit of ownership? What if you said something along the lines of, this is my time to serve. This is my time to give. This is my time to lead. This is my time to do the heavy lifting. I, I get phone calls quite often. One, because I have a truck. And two, because I can move heavy things. But, but, but I love helping people move. Why? Because I'm willing and I'm able. I think the problem with the church is that there's many people that are able to do the heavy lifting of ministry, but for some reason they're not willing. In this generation, myself included, we can look at a younger generation and go, man, they're lazy. P.S. 
the generation that just stood up looked at us at some point and said, man, they're lazy. But we have the tendency to do that. We can look at a younger generation and go, man, they're lazy. They have no work ethic. Let me ask you this. What if the younger generation worked like you worked? Now, I'm not talking about your nine to five. I'm not talking about your day to day. But I'm talking about in ministry. If the younger generation worked like you worked in ministry, worked like I worked, I'm not, listen, I'm pointing my finger at myself right now, worked like we worked in ministry, what would the local church look like? What would the kingdom of God look like? Can I be real and honest with us for a second? If the younger generation worked like some of us worked, the church, this church, would fall to the wayside. But for others of it, it would expand and it would multiply. Where are you on that line? Be a church and and a generation that does the heavy lifting. You guys can go ahead and sit down. Can we give it up for for that crew? Like any good fire, you always need good wood. The God of Abraham, the coals, the God of Isaac, the fuel, and the God of Jacob, the new wood. And the new wood is anyone under the age of 30. So if you're under the age of 30, go ahead and stand up for me. Y'all were the slowest to stand up, and y'all the youngest. What's the deal? Here's the temptation of the new wood. To think that you started the fire, but like the great theologian Billy Joel said, we didn't start the fire, it was always burning. Somebody finish it for me. Since the world's been turning. Thank you for that, I appreciate it. But, but if you're standing right now, the church needs you. The church needs your energy. Now, and I'm not talking about multiply Lake Norman. I'm talking about the global church. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God needs your energy. The kingdom of God needs your enthusiasm. The kingdom of God needs your wonder. The kingdom of God needs your excitement. What if you were new wood that was honoring What if you honored the generations before you? What if you learned from the generations before you? What if you leaned in to the generations before you? I said this a couple weeks ago. Nobody in this room is good enough to have gotten where they are in life without someone else helping them out along the way. Something that I learned early on, I learned how to honor a generation that came before me, and I learned how to lean into them. I learned how to ask questions. I learned how to not think that I had it all figured out. That can be the tendency to the new wood. The new wood can think, I've got it figured out. I can do it on my own. It's okay to lean into the generations before you. What if you made the statement, something along the lines of, I'm going to be on fire for Jesus, and I'm going to carry my excitement, I'm going to carry the energy that I have. Can I tell you a secret? You have energy now that you'll never have again in your entire life. And the other two generations said, amen and amen. But we need that energy. We need that enthusiasm. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Let's give it up for those guys as well. The, the band would go ahead and make their way back up. This is what I loved about writing this this message. I I knew that individuals in each generation would be standing. It's what I love about our church. In fact, I 
I, I text a couple people. I'll talk to this corner back here. There's three generations of you guys in this church right now. That's powerful. That expands the kingdom of God. The, the, way, the way that your family works together, from what I know outside looking in, I long for that as a dad. Greg, I hope I'm in your seat when I'm your age. It's been one of the, the honors and the blessings of my life to watch you lead your family. I'm, I, I pray, I've, I've literally prayed this prayer. God, I pray that I can have a family like Greg has. I pray that, that I, can, I can have my family gather on Sunday to come to a meal. I, I pray that generationally I can see my grandkids run around. Generations matter. Where's the Hudson's? The Hudson's in the room? Where are you guys? Y'all are scattered out today. But, but, but I've watched you over the past four plus years. Toby, you're, you're like, like, I'm going to say it. I hope you don't get offended. But maybe you will. Take me outside later. But you're, you're truly like a grandfather that, that I've never had. And it's not because of your age. It's, it's, it's not. But it's because of the guidance and the wisdom. When I talk to you, I'm going to get emotional. When I talk to you, I, I, I remember sitting down with my grandfather. I just remember talking to him and, and the way that you talk to me. Like it, it just does something inside of me. Generations matter. Family units matter. When I look across this room, I'm just going to read this and not try to preach it because I will burst into tears. I see a church that has not pushed out its age to the outskirts with the polite nod of, you've had your day but instead restores a culture of honor and leans into your story, craving the wisdom of what seems like a bygone era. We will be a church where the promises of the fathers and the mothers are fulfilled through the sons and daughters. A church not only of children's ministry or youth ministry, but children in ministry, youth in ministry. A church of generations standing shoulder to shoulder, side by side, multipliers in the marketplace. Now, now think of this. Go back to verse 8. Told you we were circling back around. Let me land the plane where Abram built this fire is significant because places in the Bible are significant. Names in the Bible are significant. They have meaning. Let me read it, reread it to you. Verse 8, after that, Abram, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. He worshiped the Lord. So you have Bethel to the west and Ai to the east and, and Abram builds an altar. What did he do? He started a fire. He began to build this fire. Places have meaning. Names have meaning. What does Ai stand for? Ai stands for heap of ruins. What does Bethel stand for? Many of you know what is Bethel? The house of God. So, so Ai or Bethel, 
which is true. It's a trick question. They're both, they're both true. The question that you have to ask yourself is where are you going to live? Where are you going to build your altar? Where are you going to build your fire? Are you going to build your fire in AI? Are you going to build your fire on a heap of ruins? Or are you going to build your generational fire in the house of God? See, when you look at the world, when you look at the world, it can seem like a heap of ruins. Because what I see is deconstructionism tearing down the roots of faith and the building blocks of our country. And then we ask the question, like, what's going to happen to America? As, as a pastor, as a human, as a citizen, I have no idea. I'll be the first to tell you I have no idea. But as for me and my house, I choose to build my fire in Bethel. I choose to build my fire in the house of God. So all across this room, if you would stand. God, we declare Bethel. We declare the house of God. We will be a generation that builds generational fires. And regardless of the generation that you're in, regardless of when you stood across the room, here's the challenge. Take your rightful place. Control.